For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here we go. It's Tanner time. And it's USC week. A potentially pivotal moment for Stanford football in 2021, and we are here to break it all down on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. So glad you're with us on Thursday, September 9th, 2021. You picked a good episode to be here as uh, we've got a lot to get to, a lot. Can't wait. Jam-packed show for you as you are going to hear Tanner McKee's reaction to being named the starting quarterback for Stanford. In fact, there's only one place to hear Tanner McKee's reaction to winning the starting quarterback job for the Cardinal, and you're already there right here on the TreeCast. We'll bring you Tanner's first press conference as Stanford football starting quarterback in a few minutes. And I'm also fired up about our special guests for this uh, show, Stanford football tight end and defensive end and special teamer Tucker Fisk. Looking forward to uh, getting his thoughts on Now that he's playing all three phases of the game, just what that means for him for his practice schedule and just how he goes through what he does on a day-in and day-out basis. And really fired up about our other special guest on the show today, former USC quarterback. Now you see him on the Pac-12 Network as a game analyst and also the host of the Pocket Presence segment on Pac-12 Insider. He also knows a little something about quarterback competitions as well. Really looking forward to talking to Max Brown. Oh, by the way, Max is also a pregame and postgame host on the radio side for USC football broadcast. So Tanner McKee's press conference, Tucker Fisk, and Max Brown. It's all as we get ready for Stanford USC. That's coming up at 7.30 on Saturday with the kickoff from the L.A. Coliseum. The game, of course, is on Fox, but I always suggest you check out my guys Scott Reese and John Platts on the Cardinal Sports Network on the radio side. Matter of fact, I'm going to be sitting in between those two guys come game time. Yes, the TreeCast will be in L.A. Nice to get back out on the road for a change and get out of the house. Now, meanwhile, of course, Stanford football has lived on the road of late. Game six of their seven-game road trip uh, going back to last year. So that road dog life continues with Stanford looking for its first win at the Coliseum since 2015 when they were also coming off of a stinging loss to the Wildcats in week one. Six years ago, it was Northwestern Wildcats. This year, it was Kansas State. So Stanford at 0-1. USC coming off a tough win over San Jose State last week. But who gets the win to open up Pac-12 play? We'll all find out on Saturday evening. Who am I, by the way? I'm Troy Clarity. Hi, how you doing? Season number 29 following and broadcasting Stanford football. And in my eighth season with Pac-12 Network, play-by-play, soccer, field hockey, and women's volleyball. On tap for me as the season continues, the fall sports uh, back in the swing of things on the Pac-12 network. So happy to be back in both of those respective capacities. I always am very happy whenever you subscribe to the show. You can do that via your favorite listening app. 
on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, any way you want to go. And of course, there's also Apple Podcasts and Google Play to hook you up as well. So I always appreciate when you subscribe. Now's the perfect time, especially now that we are in uh, regular season mode, coming at you twice a week. Subscribe to the show, download it, listen to it, rate it, and review it, and tell folks all about the program and what we're doing here on the TreeCast on the Believe Podcast Network. And oh, by the way, give me the follow on Twitter at Troy Clarity, last name spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. Three things you know need to know about Stanford USC coming up in just a moment. But first, a reminder that it's that time of year again. All eyes turning to football. Teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. So head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus and take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the season opener in the NFL. That's coming up on Thursday, which, of course, is later on today. If you're listening on Thursday, if you're listening on Friday or Saturday, well, it's too late. Don't bet on it now. You can't. It would be unfair if you did anyway. But the bucket here is in the Cowboys. Uh, you can make a bet on that game, and if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Vegas likes USC in this matchup between the, the Trojans and the Cardinal. But we got three things that you need to know about Saturday's matchup. Let's fire it up with number one. And Stanford's quarterback competition appears to be over. David Shaw with the official announcement on Tuesday morning during his weekly press conference. We will start Tanner McKee uh, this week. Uh, We will not rotate the quarterbacks. Yep, Tanner McKee is being handed the keys to the Stanford offense with Jack West, who got the first look in last week's rotation in a backup role. Now, not calling this a benching or quarterback switch as some outlets have, because there was no QB1 last week. There is now. David Shaw and what he expects from Tanner McKee. I just told Tanner, he just, I just wanted to play. You know, he doesn't have to take the world on his shoulders. He doesn't have to do anything other than play quarterback. Um, you know, he's got size, athletic ability. He's got a strong arm, he's got a quick release. Um, you know, Bus uh, being able to run the ball, I think, will take some pressure off of him in his, in his first start. Um, so that's going to be a big factor is, is really getting our running game started um, in order to be as balanced in offense as we want to be. That's David Shaw. And how does Tanner himself feel about all of this? You'll hear for yourself in just a few minutes. Let's get to number And you know how it works in college football after week one. If your team wins, the sky's the limit and there's dancing in the streets. But if your team loses, the sky is falling and there's panic in the streets. Well, Stanford had a lackluster loss, uh, 24-7, the final score against Kansas State last week. So you know which which camp the Cardinal fans uh, tended to be in. And I'm sure that that you saw and heard the usual gloom and doom from your friendly neighborhood message board grouches and Twitter critics as well. So while you were hearing that, And seeing that, Stanford got off the plane from North Texas, and they went right back to work. Cardinal safety Kendall Williamson on the team's mood this week. Oh, very hopeful. I mean, we it it was the first game. Obviously, like you said, it's not what we wanted. Uh, We always want to come out with a win. And we didn't get that, but we also learned a lot of lessons from that. Took a lot of... took a lot from that game and figured out what where we need to make improvements and what's the next move for us so i say very hopeful very excited for the oncoming season it's a long season 
it was the first game, um, and there's a lot more a lot more room for improvement. Yeah, as we talked about on the last TreeCast, uh, wrapping up things from Kansas State, this is just the beginning, right? It's just week one. Now, whether that's a good thing or not remains to be seen. And I was around the team for a bit for Tuesday's practice, and even though I couldn't watch it, Stanford football practices are closed to the media, I, I didn't sense any hand-wringing or wailing or gnashing of teeth. Nothing like that at all. They just went right back to work. Was there urgency? You bet. Panic? No. No. There's no panic button in the Stanford football program. Let's finish up three things with number three. You know, this is the 100th all-time meeting between Stanford and USC. Yeah, it's true. Cardinal and Trojans had played each other every year since 1945 and in every season since 1924. But then, of course, 2020 happened. You could say that about a lot of things. So this week marks the first time Stanford and USC are playing each other in two years. I asked David Shaw if he missed squaring off against the Trojans last year. Absolutely. Uh, missed playing them last year. Um, it's, it's, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a West Coast kid. You know, I'm a, I'm a Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12 guy. And uh, Stanford SC always play. Um, there's a lot of crossover with our alumni, a lot of communication with our alumni. Um, it's, it's always a special game. Um, so, yeah, uh, and I'm always one of those when, when we were becoming the Pac-12 and deciding I was one that raised my hand saying, hey, Stanford and Cal need to play SC and UCLA, you know, regardless. Um, it's just we have some great traditions there. So did miss playing them. Um, this game is very emotional, especially playing down the Coliseum. And we have a lot of Stanford alumni down there. Um, there'll be some Stanford people there, but it's going to be loud and raucous environment. And uh, um, if you're a competitor, it's what you look forward to. So you're breaking out the loudspeakers at practice again, I, I take it, playing that song over and over again? Uh, I think our guys will, will be used to the song by the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, and sure enough, Tuesday evening, as I walked up to football practice, I, I made that turn around the corner and walked on the, on the walkway between the practice fields and uh, the Avery Aquatic Center and made my way to my hiding spot where they usually stash those of us in the media where we can't watch practice. Um, this is what I heard in the background. Yep, indeed. Tribute to Troy. You would think I would like a song called Tribute to Troy. And uh, fight on, on a loop, constantly throughout the course of practice. It's USC week, folks. That's what it's all about. Those are three things. We'll get the USC side of things with uh, Max Brown, the former Trojan quarterback, current uh, Pac-12 football analyst, also works for Stadium. And when he's not working for either of those guys on a Saturday, he's spending it uh, handling pre- and post-game duties uh, with the Trojans on their radio side. So Max Brown coming up and uh, Tucker Fisk after that. Uh, on the injury front for Stanford, Jacob Mangdon Farrar, who was a late scratch for the Cardinal leading up to the Kansas State game, inside linebacker, should be good to go at USC. In fact, no significant injuries during that Kansas State game last week. That's always a good thing. Well, not among the student-athletes anyway. Uh, Stanford wide receivers coach Bobby Kennedy is walking around in a boot. Notice that on a Tuesday evening. Uh, apparently, he uh, tweaked a little something. Uh, during practice last week. So uh, we're wishing him a, a full recovery. No changes on the depth chart for Stanford this week, except for one right at the very top. 
in the quarterback spot. Tanner McKee, the sophomore from Corona, California, is the starting quarterback for Stanford this week with no rotation with Jack West. So the show now belongs to Tanner McKee. He now gets top billing, it seems, from here on out and certainly for the foreseeable future for the Stanford offense. Tanner with an incredible story. He spent two years in Brazil on an LDS mission and was away from football completely during that time. He lost up to 15 pounds at one point uh, during his mission in Brazil. And even back in high school, he had a mole on his forehead that tested positive for melanoma, and he had to undergo surgery to remove it. So he had to, he had to fight back from that and, of course, spend two years away from football on his LDS mission in Brazil. A long road for McKee to get here, who was one of the more highly touted quarterbacks, highly recruited quarterbacks in his class. Guys like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields were about uh, two of the only three guys that were ahead of him in many of the, of the rankings in his class. But it was certainly a long road for Tanner McKee to get here. And on Tuesday, he talked about it in his first press conference as Stanford's starting quarterback. All right, Tanner, QB1. Yes, sir. It's official. How does it feel? It feels great. Super excited. Um, obviously, been working uh, for a long time for this, and um, the team just feels like we're ready to keep rolling, and I'm super excited for the opportunity. What were your big points of improvement from looking at last week and some things that went right, maybe some things that could have gone better? What were some points of improvement for you coming off of, of last week's performance? Uh, I think for me personally, just settling down, kind of seeing things post-snap um, instead of pre-reading things pre-snap in college football. So many things can change post-snap or um, just throughout the play. So I feel like seeing the safeties post-snap, seeing how they're going to rotate and everything like that, I feel like I can really improve on. Can you talk about how you're, how you're feeling with the receiving core and how that's kind of starting to gel and everything with those guys? Yeah, I mean, we have a great receiving core. Uh, obviously, we have a ton of guys with a lot of talent, a lot of size. Um, Elijah, Bryson, John, all these guys are 6'5", super uh, big targets. And then we have Bryce, who's extremely fast. We just have a ton of weapons, and so we're just going to use um, each guy to their strength and then um, just kind of take what the defense gives us. And you can talk about the USC game. It's how pumped you need to go on. Your, your first start's going to be against, you know, Enemy territory at USC Coliseum. Your, your emotions are going into that game. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited. Obviously, growing up uh, in Southern California, um, SC was obviously a, a big school. I grew up watching them and everything. Um, and so I'm super excited to play, uh, to start my first game in the Coliseum. This probably is a question that's better suited for maybe more of a sit-down thing, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, the road that you've taken to get to this point, uh, two years off, you know, completely from football, mm -hmm. working your way back into it, and from here. When you look back at all the things that went into getting you to this point, what sort of things stand out? Uh, well, it's definitely been a journey. Uh, obviously, taking two, two years off isn't ideal from the football perspective, but I feel like I learned so many things off the field, how to be a better teammate, how to be a better leader, um, and so I can just use that um, now with um, being the quarterback, trying to help the team reach a new level. Um, and then obviously taking two years off, I've obviously missed football a lot more and I've just been kind of a little more hungry to uh, get back to the grind and watch film and I've just had a new level um, um, of hunger, I guess you could say. How much do you think it helps to actually have had a full-on fall camp going into this entire season as opposed to, to what you guys had to go through uh, last fall camp? Uh, well, it's definitely huge. Um, Stanford's offense is pretty complicated. We have a lot of checks and a lot of motions and a lot of things, depending on what the defense does. Um, so having a full fall camp has really helped us and 
kind of like what we were saying before, gel with the receivers and get on the same page with the linemen and their calls and everything like that. I feel like it's it's really helped the team for sure. And Stanford's had a lot of LDS players come through here, a lot of RMs. You know, how do, any any particular you know RMs kind of help you out, uh, kind of make that transition back from mission life to football life? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've talked a ton to Gabe and Levani and all of them. We've actually had dinner with them and their wives, just talking about getting back into shape and. Um, adjusting from life, life as a missionary to a student athlete here at Stanford, and so they've been a great help throughout the, the whole journey. I remember talking to Mark Madsen about you last year, oh. and he was like, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, <laughs> I, I wish him well. Last thing I've got for you here, um, X's and O's wise, uh, USC, defensively, they came to play really shut down San Jose State for the most part last week, and there's obviously a lot of speed there, it seems, uh, for, for USC. Your overall thoughts when you look at the Trojan defense? Um, obviously, they have a lot of talent. Um, growing up in Southern California, I feel like I know half of USC's team um, from the Army game to just playing teams in high school. Um, so obviously, they have a lot of talent. So we're just going to have to uh, do what we do, execute, um, and take what they give us. Don't try to be too greedy and just march the ball down the field. That's Tanner McKee, and uh, you also heard from Ben Parker at Rivals.com and Cardinal Sports Report as uh, Ben and I tag-teamed Tanner McKee in uh, Tanner's first press conference as uh, Stanford football's starting quarterback. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was a little surprised that Shaw went ahead and made the call this week. I thought we might see another week of the rotation. You might go back to how I interpreted Shaw's postgame thoughts and postgame comments immediately after the Kansas State result, in which he, he went through the quarterbacks and said, you know, Jack was, was behind the chains a little bit and noted that some of the struggles that Jack West might have had may not have necessarily been in his control, while noting that Tanner had some some throws that, that he would love to have back. So with that juxtaposition, I thought that we kind of might see another week of rotation. But probably those two interceptions that West threw may have, uh, may have skewed the balance in Tanner McKee's favor. Interesting that Tanner talked about seeing things post-snap as the play develops after he takes the snap. And, and, and we've talked about this a lot on the TreeCast over the years, about how so much of quarterbacking – uh, in the NFL and even in David Shaw's system is what happens between the huddle and the snap. Sometimes you have a play called in the huddle that you love, then you turn around, you get in formation, and then you see what the defense looks like, and all of a sudden you don't love that play. What are you going to do to change the bad play that got called in the huddle into a good play at the line of scrimmage? So certainly there is a lot of that going on quarterbacking-wise for Stanford, but but very intrigued to hear uh, Tanner's uh, main point of improvement to see what's happening after the snap and to make plays uh, from there. So really uh, intrigued to get Tanner's thoughts um, on that. Um, two years ago, this just occurred to me, two years ago Davis Mills made his first start at USC. So history kind of repeating itself um, in, in that sense. Now, hopefully the, the end result is better this time around than it was two years ago. You, you might remember that Stanford actually started off that game up 17-3. to USC fumbled a kickoff. Cardinal were in business, but Stanford didn't get a touchdown, and it was all USC from there. I'll, I'll forgive you if you had actually kind of forgotten <laughs> the finer details of that game two years ago. So hopefully history doesn't repeat itself in the result this time around. We'll talk to Max Brown and later on Tucker Fisk in just a moment or so. But first, exciting news. Believe Podcast Network partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport that we love the most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open 
to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for their contest, Believe Football Pick'em, at playactionpolls.com, and then you get your picks in each week. We'll select the 10 highest-profile games of the week between NFL and college football, and whomever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Swag. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, football, pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, pick them, as well as cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. So now that Tanner McKee has the job, what can he do to keep it? And what are some of the things that he's going to be facing this upcoming Saturday against the USC Trojans down at the Coliseum? I got the perfect guest to ask those questions and plus a little bit more. Former USC quarterback and Pitt quarterback as well. My Pittsburgh Times, I got to throw those in there. Hail to Pitt as well. But now an analyst for the Pac-12 Network and Stadium. He also does the pocket presence segment looking forward to checking these out throughout the course of the season on pac 12 insider and he also handles usc radio pregame and postgame festivities for their football broadcast really a pleasure to welcome into the program max brown max thanks a bunch appreciate the time how you doing today troy i'm great pumped to be on here and uh, yeah thanks for having me you bet you got it and um we'll, we'll get to stanford and your thoughts on on, on that in a second but I got to start with this, man. You were in the building on Saturday up at Husky Stadium calling the game with my man J.B. Long. What the heck happened up in Seattle to UW against Montana? What a weird game. I mean, that, that first drive, Washington marches right down the field. It was literally like they were doing a scrimmage against their two deep. And they, they score seven points. And Rich Newton gets in. Offense line's rolling. Dylan Morris looks in rhythm. And you're like, all right, this is going to be a long day for the Montana Grizz. But then you blink, and it's been a quarter. They haven't scored anything. And um, big picture, I think the Washington offense is, is looking themselves in the mirror a little bit this week in terms of you had an offensive line that you really liked, thought you were 10 deep there, as Jimmy Lake said. Well, Montana got after them a little bit. And then out wide on that, when it comes to receiver, Washington was missing three of their top guys. It was a position group they were already trying to sort out. And so you come in thin, you come in unproven, and – Montana's a, a good FCS team. Are they great? Are they a Pac-12 school? No, but they, they played their cards right. And at the end of the day, Washington let them just hang around for a while. And one big drive late in the fourth quarter, Cam Humphrey, Montana's quarterback, was able to punch him in. And before you know it, know it uh, UW's on upset alert. Yeah, yeah. I, I could not believe that as that happened. And I started flashing back to a result between UC Davis and Stanford in 2005 that I would rather not discuss in, in more detail than that. Uh, really, everyone in the Pac-12 North kind of took their lumps a little bit, even though Oregon won. It certainly wasn't easy against Fresno State. And obviously Stanford with um, not the result that they wanted against Kansas State um, down in North Texas. Um, and now, of course, the big news for the Cardinal this week, Tanner McKee has been named quarterback one uh, for Stanford going into this uh, USC contest this week. So Tanner McKee has got the gig. In your mind, what are some things he can do to keep it? Yeah, for better or worse, I'm well-versed in the old QB competition over the years. Uh, all, all the guys I battled with uh, – found themselves starting an NFL game. So well, well versed in that. And it starts with turnovers. I think when you're in a quarterback competition, the first thing that a quarterback or a coach is looking for is, Hey, just don't lose me the game. Like you might, I'm still sorting out who is my guy and who is the answer. 
don't don't be the one that loses me the game. And so turnovers is front of mind right away. But outside of that, especially in Stanford's case, where historically maybe explosive plays have been hard to come by, when those plays are called and you do call the deep shot if, when you are Stanford, the big play action, you have to connect. And in, in, when I, when I, and Stanford had some quarterback battles when I was there, and it felt like Kevin Hogan always had a knack, and obviously the, the talent level was maybe a little different, but always had a knack for when that big play is there and Michael Rector is on the sideline, they find a way to connect. And that's so much of Stanford's DNA is run, 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 run to set up that shot down the field that when it is there, got to take advantage. And so those are two areas that stick out to me. Um, but I do think being on the younger side or he's, he's older in, in, in age, but uh, in, in terms of eligibility, that his leash is probably going to be a little bit longer. So go out there and don't press per se, but uh, protect the rock and make sure you're getting your, t- your offense into, uh, into favorable situations. Yeah, Jack West with uh, two interceptions that uh, perhaps uh, sealed his fate um, as far as that is concerned. Uh, as you mentioned, you're, you were no stranger to quarterback competition, certainly on the collegiate level uh, during your playing career. You know what it's like to win one. You know what it's like to, uh, to still emerge holding the clipboard at the other end of it. And you, of course, were a highly touted recruit. So I think you can certainly identify with the things that Tanner McKee and Jack West have both had to deal with. If you had to give individual advice to both of those guys right now, as their careers uh, take the trajectories that they've taken so far, at least or certainly this week anyway, what advice would you give to Tanner? What advice would you give to Jack? For Jack being the guy that got benched, um, I would say do your best to stay engaged. And I'm not naive to how difficult that can be. Sometimes when you get benched and you're the older guy, it's easy to kind of in your mind throw up the white flag type of deal. Even if you have the best intentions and even if you are a hard worker, it's, it, it can be easy to, even if it is week one. I remember I got benched at SC after week three and um, that can be tough just because you want to play so bad. You put so much into it that that can, that can be tough. So do your best to stay engaged. And I think ha- my also advice is, I remember having a ton of fun when I, when I was uh, the scout team quarterback, when I got benched, I was a captain, man, I was a, a redshirt junior. And I, they put me to, to scout team doing like seven on seven stuff. And some of that was the most fun I ever had. And it allowed me to maybe loosen up a little bit and work on some of those past game concepts that when you are in the heat of a quarterback competition battle, it's easy to say just so tunnel vision and get locked in and I can't mess up and all that versus when you get benched, Maybe it's an opportunity to, 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 to free yourself up a little bit and stay prepared uh, for whenever that opportunity is coming, whether it's down the road or if it's uh, this season as well. And then for Tanner, I mean, trust your, trust your preparation. I think, I think there's a reason that you're there going to the young guy. There's a reason that he, he's going to have a little bit longer leash, in my opinion. And uh, like I said, do your best to not turn over the ball. Let the, let the, take what the defense gives you and don't feel, uh, don't feel like you're pressing to try to score seven points in every drive. Let's flip it over to the other side uh, for for USC here because I think it's a it's a pretty intriguing parallel because the last time that Stanford and USC played two years ago it still feels weird to say that with Stanford and USC not played last year for obvious reasons but when these two teams last met a couple of years ago uh, it was Keaton Slovis making his first start on the collegiate level and not a lot of folks knew who he was at the start of that game by the end of it the students were chanting his name at the very end of it and he was holding up the sword in front of the USC band and the party was on 28 to 33 for 377 yards and three touchdowns and the big win for for USC that day Slovis with the big night that night how in your mind how has he developed since then I think he's become a better 
decision maker on a much more nuanced level in terms of taking checkdowns. He's always been a good decision maker, but that's kind of why I'm, I'm shedding light on this is you'll see now where, you know, it's, it's not, he's not taking as many shots. That was a criticism when he was a freshman in terms of, man, you're, you're not going to be able to hold up. And he got beat up that season a little bit, but finding ways to get the ball out of his hands. I think this offense uh, and for Stanford fans, it's not a finished product for USC um, this year, more than most. I still, I, I think they're figuring out who they have on offense. They're figuring out their depth chart. They're figuring out their personnel groups and years past, especially past two, three, maybe four years, but two or three years, you knew the four receivers you had. Yes, there was some rotation at the running back, but you, you, you kind of knew what you had there a little bit. Some familiar faces on the offense line. This year, two freshman tackles. They're trying to figure out who the second option is away from Drake London. They're, they have a transfer starting at running back. So there's, they're, they're trying to figure out some pieces there. But with, your, with respect to Keaton Slovis, he now is – he's no longer the young guy. He's the leader. It's on, it's on his right arm to make, to, to, to make plays happen. But – um, I think if we're being honest, much of it is it's, it's been steady Eddie for, for, for Keaton Slovis over the past three years. He came onto the scene, like you referenced at Stanford um, or against Stanford. And from there, it's just been slow incremental growth. Um, and I think uh, the next step for him is when he faces an elite defense, can he show up for all four quarters, not just the fourth quarter, all four quarters. Um, I know that's what SC fans are waiting for. Yeah, yeah. SC certainly seemed to do much of their best work, certainly last year uh, in, in the fourth quarter. And that was able to uh, to, to keep them uh, on, on the positive side of, of the ledger there. Of course, much made of the system. Graham Harrell coming in and doing what he's done with the offensive coordinator spot, bringing the air raid to USC, which still seems kind of strange, especially for, for the folks who remember the student body left and student body right days. Uh, in an air raid system, what are some of the things that are on a quarterback's shoulders? What are some of the things that, that are exactly his responsibility and what, what he has to keep in mind every time he breaks the huddle, if there is one, and gets under center, if he does, <laughs> and gets the play going? This is always a unique topic, and I'm sure, Troy, you've dove into this with other guests as well, but, but USC – they're Graham Harrell, so yes, technically they are air raid just by the fact that Graham Harrell learned from Leach. But this is by no means an air raid like we have saw under Leach. I mean, you look at the week one film, USC San Jose State, USC's in a lot of 12 personnel. OG air raid doesn't even have a tight end. New school air raid has a tight end, but definitely not two tight ends. So I, I do think it is important in, 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 in an old school SC's fan that has the, the mindset of student body right, student body left, yes, this is certainly air raid compared to that in terms of way more pass heavy. But when you're looking at, you know, the, the 2020 definition of air raid, it's not that. And, and that's one of the big wrinkles this year with USC is they have gone more 12 personnel. Last year, they had three NFL receivers that are wearing NFL jerseys right now. You didn't really need to go 12 personnel. Um, and at, at fourth was Drake London as well. This year, like I referenced, they're still trying to figure out that receiver position. But in terms of uh, responsibility on Keaton, um, just way more pro pro progressions where you have to get to your fourth read, your third, fourth, and maybe even your fifth check down read. So speeding that up, not taking sacks, and uh, leveraging this running or the, the running backs and getting them involved in the pass game, I think is always front of mind for a concept like this. Your takeaways from San Jose State and, and USC, it certainly wasn't easy. I mean, USC played a whale of a game defensively, and, and, and the final score certainly looked pretty good, but it didn't seem to be a very easy contest and a very easy win for USC last week. USC secondary has become quite the group, uh, and Dante Williams 
that coach there, I mean, it, it really truly feels like next man up mentality. And, and Troy, every coach says that, every position group says that, but you, it feels like that um, in the USC secondary. They lined up in man pretty much the entire game. I know it's San Jose State, but we can look forward here a month and Nick Starkle might be the best quarterback that SC faces maybe outside of Daniels at ASU, but that you can make that argument in terms of he might be that next best quarterback in terms of the, the NFL projection. So no, no small task there. Um, love the SC secondary excited by the young pass rushers that SC has. It'll be fun to see defensively how that evolves throughout the season. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, how special is Drake London? I think he is going to, I mean, you talk about if his body can hold up, he, he got 12 uh, catches last game. I think they are going to truly run the offense through him, which hasn't always happened at SC. You might be listening to this and saying, oh, SC's had Juju Smith. They've had Marquise Lee, but they've always spread the ball around a little bit. It hasn't necessarily focused on one guy. This could be the year where that's, where that's a little bit different. Um, and then if uh, from a Stanford lens, both young offensive tackles still trying to find their way a little bit um, on the USC front, and it's USC interior defensive line that's thin. And so looking forward to this week two matchup, if they can get after those, that, those, uh, those two position groups, that might be uh, the recipe for success. A couple last things here for you, and let's kind of broaden the scope for a brief moment or so. You know, the thing I love about after week one in college football is that everyone has, has such reason takes and such a large sample size to draw from to, 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 to make these, these reasoned thoughts. And of course, that's obviously not true. A lot of overreaction uh, up and down week one. Uh, and, you know, for, for various reasons. But it, was there anything in week one, despite all the hyperbole, despite all the overreaction that you could cling to and say, hey, you know, even though this is a small sample size, this might be the real deal? Right when you say that, UCLA jumps out to me, and sure. that's probably a, a popular take, but they just beat LSU, and to be honest, so I didn't see the game live. I was up in Seattle watching the game, and when they beat LSU, I was like, oh, DTR must have had a day. He must have really showed up, and then I turned on the film. He did fine. They, they, they came up with some big, play at, big plays at timely moments, but I, I, I didn't walk away saying, oh, wow, DTR really drove the show. I walked away saying hey, this defense showed up to play. And you mentioned the new segment I'm doing with Pac-12 Networks, uh, Pocket Presence with Max Brown. I'm going to be breaking down the UCLA defense. I love the way they played. And in years past, the comment with UCLA was always, hey, maybe they're a little undersized. They're young. They're getting maybe out physical. They brought it to LSU. I was impressed with, how, with uh, that defensive game plan that was called. And then on all three levels. Um, so very impressed there. And I think Anytime you're getting it done in the front seven, especially in the Pac-12, that's a great sign for longevity because that's usually where maybe the, the, the drop-off happens for, for teams when they're losing games if they become a little thin at the offensive and defense line position. So was really impressed with UCLA um, and the Pac-12 South, Troy, is going to be fun to follow throughout the, uh, the remainder of the season. Yeah, Pac-12 North, Pac-12 South is going to be rather interesting. The Pac-12 North could be interesting too, but maybe for 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 different reasons. All right, real quick as we wrap this up, give me one key to Saturday between Stanford and USC. What's the one thing you're going to be watching above all else? One key, um, I will say third down, and it's a popular one, but I think it applies to both sides. If you're Stanford, you have to live in third and three, third and four. That's how Stanford has beat SC over the years is, like I said, maybe not getting a ton and ton of explosive plays throughout the game, but they're living in third and three and third and four, and they're converting those. Conversely, on the other side, 
USC third down, that's maybe where they sputtered a little bit at times. The percentages were there, but they came up with some big time, like third and six run plays that maybe not might, might not happen against uh, a Pac-12 opponent. So third down's front of mind for me on both sides. Uh, one for SC's offense getting rhythm, and two, uh, if Stanford's going to have any chance in this game, got to be able to uh, get in third and manageable. I missed this, man. Stanford versus USC. It just wasn't the same in the 2020 season without those two teams uh, kicking it off, and we have that back this Saturday night at the Coliseum. You're going to be seeing and hearing a lot from our guest, Max Brown, on the Pac-12 Network, also on Stadium, and can't wait to dive more and more into his pocket presence segments on the Pac-12 Network and uh, Pac-12 Insider as well. Max, thanks a bunch. Really appreciate the time, and uh, let's not make this the last time. We'll talk again soon. Thanks a bunch. Appreciate it. Love that. Thanks, Troy. Yeah, really fantastic stuff with Max Brown. Appreciate uh, his uh, time and uh, his knowledge and his insight uh, on so many different things, particularly uh, taking us into how to handle things when you don't win a quarterback competition. You might remember, and Max talked about this, he hinted at it a little bit, he gave way to Sam Darnold after a few weeks in the 2016 season. And Darnold went on to become a a top draft pick uh, in the NFL by the time his collegiate career was all said and done. And we've talked specifically, for the most part, about Tanner McKee to this point. But there's also Jack West to consider here as well. And I'm sure that he's not too thrilled necessarily with, uh, with, with how things have gone with this week's developments per se. So I'm glad that, that Max could kind of take us into what it's like when you don't win a quarterback competition and how you kind of have to reset a little bit and maybe how it could potentially be a positive from a mental standpoint. Uh, I, I really appreciate uh, some of Max's uh, thoughts on that. And I'm also glad that he kind of set me straight a little bit on the style of air raid that USC is using with a good portion of uh, 12 personnel. That's one running back and two tight ends. And uh, really glad that he set me straight a little bit uh, on, on that uh, as far as it's not be it's not necessarily uh, what the OG uh, air raid, as Max called it, but uh, maybe more new school kind of style uh, with uh, some different personnel groupings that you don't normally see. Uh, certainly when you're watching Washington State, you know, they, they run obviously a bit more of run, run and shoot kind of style, but still, you know, a lot of the concepts still remain the same and the personnel groupings kind of remain the same with four wide receivers generally um, in, in those type of things. You don't necessarily see that too much for USC. One name that Max didn't mention in the USC secondary, um, Isaiah Pollup Mao, a fifth-year uh, free safety. He wears number 21, and he's perhaps USC's best defensive player going into his third year uh, starting for USC in their secondary, but he missed last week due to COVID protocols. He actually got replaced by a true freshman in Kalen Bullock, who actually had an impact day. He actually showed a lot of things, making his uh, collegiate debut as a true freshman. Trojan defensive backs on the whole played well against San Jose State. Now, can Stanford's passing game solve USC? That'll be part of the task for our next special guest on the show. But he'll have he'll have plenty of things on his plate besides helping Stanford's offense against USC's defense. He's Tucker Fisk, a fifth-year senior from Davis, California, and he's listed as the first string tight end on Stanford's depth chart. But you're going to see him in a lot of different spots. Against Kansas State, he played nine snaps on offense, 11 on defense, getting a couple of tackles and a sack, by the way, and seven more snaps on special teams. So all phases of the game, Tucker Fisk contributes. 
and makes a bit of an impact. Tucker and I caught up after a practice earlier this week, and uh, you know the first thing we talked about was the fact that against the Wildcats, there was some good and some bad and some things to build on going forward. I asked Tucker for his overall takeaways from last week's result. Yeah, I mean, I think we did some good things. Um, we also had some first-game jitters, you know, with um, early false start penalties and some holding calls. Um, but, you know, overall, like, if you look, throw the film on, you'll see, I mean, we're one block away here. We're one misassignment away there. Like, it's, it's, all, it's all fixable things, and it's all things that, you know, if we can improve on this week, which we should, um, you know, I think we'll still, still have a really good shot to be a really good team. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the story still left to be told, and you'll have a major hand in that by playing not just offensively, as you, of course you are a tight end by trade, but also defensive line as well. You even got a sack during the first half. Take me through that play as you remember it. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was, well, I mostly, I don't know if I can like give you the play-by-play during the play because, I mean, <laughs> my mind kind of went blank and was like, holy crap. <laughs> you're, you're busy. During exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, I basically just um, – I was rushing up field, and I, um, D. Wade did a really good job of uh, pressing the pocket and made space um, for me to wrap around and make the sack. So it was a good team. It was a team play. It wasn't just me, um, but definitely exciting. Um, <laughs> wasn't exactly expecting that on my like you know some of my first plays on defense. So that was exciting. <laughs> Always got to be ready, whatever your number is called, and it's going to be called a lot, as mentioned, offense, defense, and a little special teams as well. So with that. Take me through a day for you. I mean, which meeting rooms do you go to and when? I mean, how, did, how do you handle practice? How did this kind of work? Yeah, so um, it's been a lot of figuring out as we go. <laughs> um, so today I um, started off in the special teams meeting with the rest of the linemen. Um, then once that ended, I went over and I did a quick one-on-one meeting with uh, Coach Turner to get the offensive install. Um, and then I moved over to the D-line room, which is where I spend most of my time. Um, just it being my most new position, it's just, uh, you know, requires the most time for me to, like, comprehend all of what we're doing this week or in any given week. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of bouncing around. Um, once we get out to practice, you know, all um, – but, again, I spend most of my time at D-line through, like, individual periods and um, technique work. And then we get to team um, where all – the offense basically just pulls me over um, for, you know, a couple plays they want me to see, a couple looks they want me to see in any given team period, and um, then mostly D-line other than that. So it's a lot of back and forth. Um, it's not too bad. It's honestly pretty fun. And as, as a fifth year, it's like it's nice to have some diversity in, in your day-to-day, um, something new to work on and things like that. So. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, of course, the big subplot and the big storyline this week uh, offensively and for the entire team for Stanford, uh, Tanner McKee. QB1, what, from your perspective, do we all need to know about Tanner? Um, I mean, Tanner's a hard-working dude. Um, I trust him completely to have a good team or a good game against USC. Um, I think that uh, he puts us in a really good, uh, in a really good position to win to win the game. A couple last things here for you, and I'm going to date myself here a bit <laughs> because I remember my undergraduate days here on the farm, and the first one or two. I remember watching your dad play defensive line right here at Stanford as well. So uh, I'm seeing you and I'm starting to feel really, really old all of a sudden. (laughs) With his career here and with his career in the NFL, how have some of his experience kind of maybe helped you along throughout the course of your football career to this point? Um, I mean, it's obviously helped a lot. Um, You know, from the time that I was a little kid, or, you know, my first years playing football, you know, we'd be in the kitchen, you know, working on our D-line and our leverage, uh, you know. <laughs> He's like, 
tell me where to put my hands, like how to how to fire my hips, you know. And meanwhile, we're like knocking into the chandelier or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, he's just the whole throughout my like my football career, he's been an awesome sounding board, um, someone I can go to and like, you know, outside of the program to just talk through some things that I'm working on, whether it be offense or defense. Um, and so yeah, he's just been a really good resource. Um, just throughout my football career. All right, let's talk about uh, USC, the task at hand. You get on a plane, you head down to Southern California, you walk into that stadium, you have to face those fans and hear that band and face a pretty talented team. Your overall thoughts on the USC Trojans? Um, I mean, USC is always talented. Um, they always have, you know, high recruiting classes. Um, but you know, for me, or to me, the challenge doesn't change a ton week to week. It's always about... Um, executing your job and your job might change slightly based on you know what given plays yeah you know the their offense runs or what sort of looks their defense is going to give you but at the end of the day um the things we do don't change a lot and football is a game about executing so um yeah as we wrap this up for Stanford to get in the win column on Saturday. Maybe just hinted out of here a little bit, but I'll ask it anyway. And I'll ask anyway for Stanford to get in the win column on Saturday. What needs to happen? Um, I feel like I kind of already said it. Just we have to execute. Um, you know, I'm going back to last week. We had a lot of those mental errors that we were. I was talking about um, misassignments and just cleaning those things up. And you know, guys just being in the right spot when they're supposed to be. Um, and then occasionally making big plays. You know, I think we were missing um, big plays a little bit last week. I mean, just had fewer than Kansas State. Um, and that's something that we need to work on as a team is just, I mean, someone's got to be the guy to, you know, bring the, moment, bring the momentum on our side or, um, you know, make that big play when it counts, that big stop, that amazing catch in the corner of the end zone, you know, just things like that. Um, but, you know. Like it's always just about executing, yep. doing our job. Yep. We'll see how it all turns out. Offense, defense, special teams, anything you can't do on a, on a football field? <laughs> I can't throw the ball at okay. all. So. <laughs> <laughs> but he does just about everything else. Tucker Fisk, tight end, defensive end, and also special teams for the Stanford Cardinal. Tucker, thanks a bunch. Appreciate the time. Best of luck and best of health going forward. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Our thanks again to Tucker Fisk. Yeah, I remember watching Jason play for Stanford with my own eyes. God, I'm old. And I'm still a little surprised that we didn't see Tucker maybe play a little fullback or at least a little blocking back a couple years ago when Stanford was 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 ravaged by injuries just about everywhere and even on the offensive side of the ball. I remember back then thinking, hey, maybe uh, stick Tucker back there. Maybe have him, uh, he's, he's a very good blocking tight end. Thought they might stick him in the backfield a little bit and have him play a little blocking back. That never quite came around to fruition, but Tucker, we're seeing him with the Addition to his duties, as he is now playing defensive end as well. And uh, with his work in the tight end room and with his work up front on the defensive line, I think those are going to be two key position units to watch for Stanford against USC. So with that, let's kind of head into my keys to the game anyway. And I think the tight ends for Stanford is certainly going to be going to be one thing to watch for the Cardinal, particularly as Stanford tries to find ways to attack the seams. San Jose State had some big plays down the seams, both the tight ends, Derek Deese Jr. in particular, against USC, and a couple of big plays for some wide receivers too. But the Spartans seemed to have some success attacking the Trojans down the seams. 
Tanner McKeeve seemed like attack in the seams against Kansas State. I thought those were some of Tanner's best throws overall against the Wildcats last week. So watch that area of the field particularly, I think, um, when Stanford has the ball. When USC has the ball, watch what the what the Stanford linebackers do in coverage. We talked about how Kansas State was able to find some, some favorable matchups with Stanford linebackers in coverage. Uh, Tristan Sinclair uh, kind of got victimized a little bit a couple of, a couple of years ago in particular uh, with guys finding him in pass coverage. And it happened a couple times early on last week in the first half, but it improved for him and the rest of the Stanford defense in the second half. But can the Stanford linebackers continue to improve in coverage? Not just with Sinclair, but with the personnel groupings. If you're going to see two tight ends, it also means that some of your outside linebackers might need to be assuming some coverage duties there as well. So let's see what happens with the linebackers, both inside and out in pass coverage. I certainly think that is going to be a big key uh, for this game if when USC has the ball. But really, I think maybe a bigger key than anything, certainly on the Stanford side of things, can the offensive line push USC around and get the run game going? Only what, 15 carries for 43 yards for Stanford running backs last week against Kansas State? That's not good. That's not good. That needs to improve in a big-time way. Getting the running game going is certainly a major key for Stanford right guard Branson Bragg. The, the more dominant we can be in the, in the run game, the better we're going to be as a team. Um, and that, that's part of what stings is that we didn't get the running game going Saturday, uh, you know, really at all. Um, and that hurts, you know, as an offensive lineman, the guy whose uh, job is to open up the holes and, and let the running backs run through. Um, so we just have to improve. And as soon as we can get the running game going, um, I think we're going to be a, a great team. That's Branson Bragg, whom by many accounts on the Stanford team is the one guy that folks don't want to have to deal with. <laughs> Certainly on the defensive side of things, he is uh, shaping up uh, to be mean and nasty in the middle. And that is always a good thing when Stanford has guys like that, particularly on the offensive line. Um, by the way, Stanford's offensive tackles struggled against Kansas State. Uh, Walter Rouse and uh, Miles Hinton. Uh, we discussed that on the previous uh, TreeCast on Sunday. But USC's offensive tackles didn't really show me much against San Jose State in, in looking at the tape of that game. And of the four guys on USC's depth chart at offensive tackle, both of the starters are redshirt freshmen, and a third is a true freshman. So they're young. Could that be good news for guys like Thomas Booker and Tucker Fisk and other guys coming off the edge for the Cardinal? We'll see. But if USC is successful running the ball, it'll likely be on draws. If Stanford's successful running the ball, it'll likely be because Stanford's mashing USC into the dirt. I know which scenario I would prefer. I, since you're listening to this podcast and I'm, you know, most Stanford fans listen to this show. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know which which scenario you would prefer as well. But if USC successful running the running the ball, it's, it's going to be on draws um, as it kind of spreads you out just a little bit. And and USC offensively might not have enough to be able to just run block and pancake guys all over the place. But they can be successful on draws. They were against San Jose State. Meanwhile, Stanford needs to to rediscover itself in the run game 
great time to do it against the USC Trojans and for Stanford to get in the win column for the first time in the 2021 season. By the way, um, even though I'm a Stanford guy, rest in peace to Sam Bam Cunningham. Perhaps one of the most impactful players in college football over the last 50 plus years. As always, I welcome your thoughts, your keys, anything you've got on your mind, Stanford football-wise, your reaction to anything that you've heard on the show. Hit me up on Twitter. Best thing to do is to give me the hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to ensure that I see your thoughts. Hashtag TreeCast is the way to go there. And again, hey, you know, I'll always remind you, subscribe to the show via your favorite listening app. Listen to the show. Download the program. Rate it and review it. If you like the show, tell everyone. If you don't like the show, tell me. I'll see what I can do to make it better in your mind. And just enjoy it. Stanford football, man. We, we, we've, we've waited so long for, for things to get back to this system. Let's have fun with it, no matter what the result. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Wins are more, more fun than most. <laughs> and hopefully uh, we are talking about a Stanford win over USC and having a lot of fun doing it on Sunday's episode of the TreeCast. We will talk to you then. The TreeCast will be at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. We will be live on site, and I'm looking forward to bringing you the sights and the sounds from the Coliseum and perhaps a one-on-one post-game interview or two after it's all said and done. So we'll see you on Sunday after I get off the plane, put some things together, and uh, bring you the next episode of the tree cast big time special thanks to our guests for this show our special guests were tucker fisk stanford football tight end and defensive end and max brown former usc and Pitt quarterback now working for the pac-12 network and stadium and usc uh usc's football radio network as well and also great to uh, catch up with tanner mckee as part of his first press conference as the starter for stanford football we'll talk to you next time right here on the TreeCast. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And stay smart. The pandemic COVID-19 ain't going away, folks. It's still here. But the only way that it does go away is if you do whatever you can to get us past this thing. That includes wearing a mask when prudent. But above all, it includes getting that vaccination. You can't back the pack if you don't back the vac. Talk to you Sunday. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. This is the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.